0: Through all of my journeys, good and bad, God was there. I never ended up in jail. That was God protecting me. And I realized that after I stopped everything. And I've heard people say, well, you know, if there was a God, why did he let these things happen? I said, well, God didn't let them happen. He let me make these choices and they were bad choices. Hey, family, I'm Leon Guidry. Welcome to the Brother Be Well podcast. Our conversations focus on mental health and wellness. Our intent is to provide a safe space for boys and men of color to reduce disparities, remove stigma, heal trauma, and to end prolonged suffering. Listen up, y'all.
1: Hi, I'm Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. Today, we're sitting down with Michael Gann. He's an advocate, phenomenal guy, and he's a Brother Be Well content contributor. He's got a story that he's sharing about his journey through trauma and addiction up to service and recovery. Michael Gant, how you doing, my friend?
0: I'm doing well. I'm doing quite well. Thank you.
1: Really, really great to have you here. I appreciate it. You've you've already walked us up through some pretty, um, you know, dark. We're overusing that term, but but you you had a few things you had to deal with. Dealing with some early childhood experience, exposure to Aces that led you to uh, to substance abuse via alcohol and crack cocaine. You've dealt with panic attacks. And then you wound up, you know, hitting literally eight rock bottoms, the bottom of eight bottles of alcohol, and making a decision to enter into a recovery program. Um, I'm wondering, with that recovery program, somebody's watching this. I think, Michael, and I, I don't think I know somebody's watching this, and they're thinking about starting a recovery program of their own. Often, we say it a lot: taking that very first step is hard. It's sometimes hard to just make the phone call or walk in the door. I'm wondering if you can take us back to the moment you decided to do that and talk directly to that person to help convince him to take the first step in his life. Where were you at? And what prompted you to say, I got to go take care of this and I got to go do it. Well,
0: my journey actually began three years before I actually, um, made a success out of going into recovery. And the reason I say that is because I started, well, I started uh, with, uh, Outpatient treatment. Uh, where I, where I went for, for, for you know for treatment, they I asked them if I can go in for to rehab or inpatient treatment, and they told me no, it wasn't available to me at that time. So they put me they put me into a, one intensive out, out out outpatient treatment, and it really wasn't working. Um, I was working hard to make it work, but I was I was in a group. Of, with with other people who we you know we go through the therapy and and each night they go home and do whatever it was that they were you know they they did whether it's alcohol or, or drugs and you know in the beginning i tried to do the same thing but they kept coming and i'm like you know they were just getting like slaps on the hand so eventually i started doing the same thing so uh i i finally did stop and i did finish the 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 outpatient program but it only lasted like nine months and um i started going to aa and started listening to other people's stories and and i start you know people were telling stories that that was devastating to me i couldn't believe it um you know the the people people were about they were losing their lives and losing their homes and their families and stuff and none of this was happening to me yet they started talking about rock bottom and i hadn't felt any of that Mm. so um it, uh, it took, it, it took an, another, uh, it, uh, another outpatient program. Um, and again, that I was able to stop for nine months too. But what I was doing with what in the AA, they call it white knuckling. I just wasn't drinking. I just stopped drinking. That's all I had done. Um, but the, w- w- after that didn't work, you know, like I said, it took three years in, in 2013, Um, when, when I finally woke up out of, out of, from that binge and that, and that blackout, and I knew that I had actually hit rock bottom, um, then I knew that I, 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 I knew that I could be successful, but this time I went to the VA and I told them the same thing that I told the the organization. I just don't want to use their names at this time. Mm -hmm. Um, they gave me what I asked for. They put me into a 90 day rehab program. Mm -hmm for which I completed 60 days and decided I was ready to go off, go back into, into, into the world. And I haven't looked back since. And what I would tell anybody else is, I mean, there are people out there that's thinking about it every, every day, just like I had, you know, but it takes, it takes, it takes courage and and fortitude to, to, you know, to actually make that move, you know, um, and then also, you have to learn to be honest because during those first three years, I was not honest with myself or, or other people. Mm-hmm. Um, I'd even told uh, one person, I even told a group of people that I had uh, one year under my belt of sobriety, but but I didn't. I lied because I wanted I wanted the ch- chip and I wanted to I, w- I wanted to get the accolades for you know for making it that first year. That's you know that's that's an important milestone. So I lied. I got the chip, and then when I finally went to rehab. Um, I, I, I remembered I had been looking for the chip and I couldn't find it, but the day I was supposed to go to uh, the rehab, I went to a, a meeting and I had found the chip right there on my nightstand. I had been looking, overlooking it for a long time. I found it, put it in my pocket, went to, went to, went to the AA meeting and told them what I had done, told them I lied to them. Gave, I gave the chip back Wow! because I hadn't, because I didn't earn it. And I went on to rehab. And and a year later, they gave me that, they, they held that, they held that chip. They gave me the same chip back a year later.
1: Wow. Well, it's, it sounds like you were absolutely ready. You had to get to a point where you were ready for it. And congratulations, by the way, on, on making you. it through that. You, you've you talked about your experience in, in, in a treatment program. And you said, it touched me. You said you found something that you never found in drugs or in alcohol. You found hope. I'm wondering if you can tell us what does hope mean to you? well
0: when i went into the you know into the into the program um you know we had we we had a lot of groups group sessions i mean we had we had we had about four or five group sessions a day um and when when people started talking um i can i, I started i started realizing that they were talking about hope because they believed that um uh, they could you know they can make it they can make a positive change that they can change the course of their lives and i started believing the same thing Um, But but for me, I have to keep holding on to my hope, just like I just like I hold on to my faith in God uh, every day. Um, I can't ever I I can't ever let it go because I want to I I want to make it. I want to make it till tomorrow. Mm. But but tomorrow's not promised me. I'm not. And it's not promised me that I'll make it sober tomorrow. So I have to I, I have to keep that hope. I mean, you know, I, I have too many things that now that I know that I, I would lose uh, family, you know, uh, uh, respect of, of my grandkids, especially. You know, my, I got three granddaughters here in California that um, when I told them that I was going to rehab, I mean, they were so elated, you know, um, I didn't realize the I didn't realize the impact that I had on them with my, you know, with, with you know, with 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 my addictions. And when I let that go, I felt like, you know, I I, I felt like I felt like a new person because I felt now I I truly had their love and I don't ever want to lose that.
1: Such a beautiful part of your story, uh, Michael. Um, You've touched on you just mentioned, in fact, your faith in God. And so that leaves me anybody who knows you and I've only known you for a few months now, but anybody who knows you knows that that Jesus Christ is a really important part of your life. Talk about your faith walk and how that has shaped your life today.
0: Well, you know, when I look back, I realize that through through all of my journeys, good and bad, God was there. You you know, the reason I know God was there because I, I, you know, I've never, I, I, you know, I've never ended up in jail. I've never, I never had a DUI. Matter of fact, I've been stopped by I've been stopped by police, and I've I've talked my way out of incidents more than once. Um, And that that wasn't me. Doing it, you know that that was that was God protecting me, and I realized that later later on after um, you know at, at, after I stopped everything, and and you know um, when I when I pray I just you know I just thank Him every day for being for, for being there, you know. And I've heard people say, well, you know, if there was a God, why, you know, why you know why did He let these things happen? I said, well, God didn't let them happen. He let me make these choices, and they were bad choices. Mm. You know, so um, I I, I made the choice. To, to walk a better path and with, with his, with his help. And, and I know that, he, I know that he's always there for me. My, my, my path will remain clear.
1: You have, uh, uh, uh wow. You've, um, that, that touched me, Michael. I really appreciate you saying that. I don't, I don't know if you've, I started to ask if you ever thought about the clergy, but you're already a minister. You're already serving. So you're, you're, you're ministering right now. I want to thank you for your transparency there. Mm-hmm. Um, and speaking of serving and caring, you um, had an introduction to a, a, a very caring introduction, if you will, to the sacramental chapter of the National Alliance on Mental Illness, or NAMI Sacramento. You have said that it was life-changing how did that change the course of your life
0: well you know um i had already i i had i had already started my you know my 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 journey of recovery um but at i, I at work you know we you know we had this long hallway where uh, people congregate you know throughout the day and i remember uh, i used to pass this one lady up um all the time and you know and I would speak to her she would speak back but I, ne- I never really thought that I could approach her you know it just you, you know you, you 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 know you just get you know just get these vibes but I, I apparently I was wrong because one day I just decided to to approach her and say you know I've been seeing you here for years we've been speaking I said my name is Michael Gant and she you know she told me her name and um I started going to her office and, and, and taking a break and go, and, and, sit, and sit down with her. And actually she turned out to be a liaison for mental health, California, which is now Cal voices. And she, she asked me, had I ever heard of NAMI? And I said, no. So she told me, you know, she told me what NAMI was all about the national Alliance on mental illness, uh, which is the largest nonprofit organization advocating for mental health in the country. And, you know, and I thought that was amazing that there was even a, an organization like that. And we can a, uh, affiliate here in sacramento so uh i reached out to them i looked i, w- I went online found out that they had a class called peer-to-peer Peer that was just starting i called them up and i got accepted to, to that class it was a 10-week class teaching me all, you know, all about mental health teaching me about you know, various symptoms like the depression and, and anxiety and ptsd ptsd that i was experiencing and um Then they also teach you about how how an individual can deal with these with these symptoms on a daily basis. Uh, We develop tools that we use. You know, know, like for for instance, earlier just earlier before we started this, I I I did some mindfulness, and that's one of the tools that I use in order to you know in order to get through my day. Um, So I started with that after after that, and I started meeting people, and uh, was invited to do go out on an outreach in the community. And of course, I was nervous that day. I mean, I, I was there. I had brochures and, and other literature, and uh, I started talking about NAMI, and then before you, before I knew it, I was start I was starting to talk about myself, and I found found out that that's how a lot of the peers um, reach out to the to, to the community by talking telling their stories. So I started doing that. Started perfecting started perfecting my story. Started learning all I could about NAMI and mental health, and um, and then. People started um, seeing me and so in, in other locations, and, and they, they tell me they remember me. They, you know, they like my story. So I started realizing that, that I was having an impact, and I um, became I became a, I became a, a regular member of, of the NAMI Sacramento staff, and um, have since become the FaithNet coordinator. Where my job as FaithNet coordinator is, is to introduce the, the the churches and the faith community. To mental health and and helping them start the conversation in their in their ministries.
1: You have spoken about uh, Michael so much since we've been together today. So I really uh, thank you again for that. You you talked about um, as we wrap up. I want you to to expound upon something a little bit. Um, You mentioned that helping other people, telling your story, and the opportunity to help even just one person is your blessing for the day. I don't think. Many people, maybe I'm overstating, but some people certainly don't think about helping somebody else. You think of that as their blessing, not yours, not the person who's giving. You view the giving as your blessing for the day. So I'm wondering, as we wrap up, if you'll talk about that a little bit and what role does service play in your overall recovery?
0: Overall, and that's, that's interesting. That's an interesting question right there, Michael, because overall, um, my giving back to the community is part of my own therapy. Uh, for a long time, I didn't have I didn't have a therapist. I had uh, I didn't or I didn't have a regular psychiatrist. So I I, I, I took to the uh, the you know the, the NAMI um, organization and 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 out been going out on outreaches. And I, I I love the outreaches, and I mean I took to that as uh, being being able to talk about myself and talk about the, the role of NAMI in the community um, that. You, that that was like my own therapy uh, in the, in the beginning so of course it continues now i do have a therapist now i do have a regular psychiatrist but um i still feel that is you know i ne- i need to be able to be available to to people uh and to, to to help them out and that's what i mean by saying if i can help one person a, a day um then that is a blessing for me and what I what I what I find myself doing, especially in this last month, is uh, there are people in my that I've come across that have that I I've, I've been reaching out to and gaining their trust. And I actually have one person who is dealing with uh, s- s- some darkness of his own, but he it, and he hasn't been trusting anybody. And, and I convinced him. And it's true though that. I would be his friend because he had told me that he hasn't, you know, he, you know, he doesn't have family that he can that he can go to, and he doesn't have any friends. So I told him I'll be your friend, and I've been working with him uh, almost every day for the last two weeks, and mm-hmm. seen, you know, I, I, I'm seeing some differences only because he realized somebody cares, and that's all I want to do is show that some show people that somebody cares.
1: Well, Michael, you said you, you just need to help one person and you'll, that's your blessing for the day. I I will be your blessing for the day because you've helped me today. So thank you very much. I
0: appreciate it. Well, thank you for saying that, Michael. I appreciate you.
1: Michael Gantz, a uh, phenomenal friend of mine and content contributor with Brother Be Well. Uh, I want to encourage you. If you've heard or seen something today that intrigues you, go to our website, mentalhealthca.org. You can get updates on Brother Be Well. You can even uh, subscribe to the free magazine if you like. Again, mentalhealthca.org. My name again, Michael P. Coleman, content director for Brother Be Well. And I want to encourage you, uh, until the next time we see you anyway, take good care of yourself and somebody else. Bye-bye.
0: Thanks for joining us for this episode of the Brother Be Well podcast. Remember to join the Dub community at brotherbewell.com so we can stay aware and heal trauma together. Thanks also to our sponsors, Sutter Health and the Sacramento County Division of Behavioral Health Services through the voter-approved Proposition 63 Mental Health Services Act. I'm Leon Guidry, and I'm out.